Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to People Add Value Experience. Really, really happy, excited, and thrilled with today's guest, Logan Campbell. Logan and myself have been friends for seven, uh, going on eight years now. Uh, he is a serial entrepreneur, uh, a coach, um, a, a husband, uh, a father, and just an all-around awesome guy. He has a lot of nuggets he is going to drop today. We are very excited uh, from lessons learned to evolution to all the challenges that he has seen in his respective businesses, how he said, hey, this one's not going to work so good. All the things as far as coaching goes and what the values he, he's actually seen and, and got out of coaching and coaching others. So we are excited. And Logan, I, you know, so I don't mess it up too much. I'm actually going to just let, let you talk about just the names of your businesses right now, and then we'll get into your background. So yeah, just go ahead, if you don't mind, Logan, uh, just let us know about the businesses you currently run. Hey, Brian. Uh, yeah, number one, happy with this podcast. Excited. Uh, seeing your, your guest lineup. So happy to be a part of this. So thank you for having me. Um, like you said, I do run three home service businesses. Uh, we specialize in, the one is Airbnb cleaning called the Dream Clean Team. One is exterior washing, which is Gulf Coast Sud Squad. And then we have a holiday lighting company, which is called Gulf Coast Lighting Pros. Uh, those are our three home service-based businesses, and we just launched a software as a service business called Nurture Nation. Um, as far as my background goes, you know, I grew up in the southeast of the United States, and you know, pretty much lived there my entire life. Growing up, entrepreneurship was an important piece of really growing up. So, you know, my grandparents they had a concrete company, sand and gravel company. Um, that kind of sparked the idea of, hey, that you can work for yourself, which was awesome. And growing up, my grandmother, she actually pushed me towards that because I had a job, but she's like, hey, do you wanna do you wanna rake some straw for me? And then I'll pay you like 15 bucks a load. And at first it kind of felt like a job. I was like, this is just another job. But then as I grew that, I realized I could do it for other people. So that kind of sparked that interest of, oh, if you have, if you have this service, if you have this thing that you can do, you can offer it to other people. Um, whereas a job, you're limited to that, to that one person. So that's really what sparked the idea of entrepreneurship. So then went, ended up going to junior college, uh, you know, played high school basketball, went to junior college, played basketball in junior college. And then I finished up at, at UWF for one year. I played basketball there as well. Um, and then from there, you know, started my journey into, into employment, working for others. Um, but that's a little bit of my background up into out of college. Okay. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's, that's pretty exciting. I, I think it's it's interesting when I was talking to like Jim, for instance. You, you've I don't know if you met Jim when he's been down or not, but he he was the one that was on for the Big B Coffee, or and he his parents had owned like a small mom and pop like pizza place, and so he was like folding the cardboard in the back and getting pamphlets ready for marketing and things like that. And then myself growing up in a bowling center and just seeing those operations from that young age, and it's it's interesting to, to speak with people that have gone through that experienced where the other people may have like gone and worked for a fast food chain or something like that, which is there's two different almost pathways, right? That you can start where you start working with somebody else, or you can see that entrepreneurial side and just get that like seed planted, if you will. 
So um, outside of the the college, like once you got to a point where you left college, what was that next? You said working for somebody. Uh, what was that journey like? Yeah. So, I mean, really, I got my first taste of, you know, working for someone else, which there's nothing wrong with that, you know, if you have the, the right environment. But I ended up getting my master's degree. So we moved to Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and I worked as an athletic trainer for two years. Uh, basically, I was at every sports game. You know, I was at all the high school events for a certain school. And, you know, when I was there, um, I was reporting to others, which was great. Um, that job, I actually really did enjoy. I loved it. But I moved back to the area. Uh, and by area, I mean Crestview, Niceville, Florida, you know, the Florida panhandle. And started working for another company. I'm in an orthopedic clinic. A little bit different. I was still an athletic trainer, but I was actually just seeing patients. I wasn't going to sporting events. Um, I was seeing work comp patients. I was seeing um, personal injury patients, people that had been in car wrecks, things like that. And at, the team there was great. But to be honest, the leadership, that was my first taste of leadership that really impacted the team negatively. You had a, a team that was were high performers, but the leadership was absent. And when they were present, it actually brought the performance down. Yeah. And so that was my first taste of that. Um, my wife and I, you know, she was cleaning. She's a she's a elementary school teacher over in Gulf Breeze. She's amazing, amazing person. Amazing person. Married her. <laughs> That's how amazing she is. But um she was cleaning condos during the summer to kind of help supplement her income that matched the time that she's off for, for summer break. And so I was there with her one day cleaning condos and, you know, doing whatever she wanted me to do. And we were like, hey, man, I think there's an opportunity here. This is, this is kind of cool. Like, who's paying you to do this? Like, who's doing this? Mm -hmm. um, so we kind of started our own, our own deal. And so we didn't have a clue about that kind of business as right. far as like running a business. So, so because so, this is like a big industry gap or difference, right, from... The medical side and clinic, comparatively speaking, to it's huge. The cleaning, <laughs> it's way different. It's way different. I'm still at the clinic, right? I'm still at the clinic, but I'm like, hey, you know what? I don't see. There's no clear path to advancement. Mm -hmm. There's no clear path to promotion. There's no clear path to my development. And so I was like, you know what? Let's just see what's here. Let's just see what we got. And so basically, I started. We started doing that, and I printed out. I went on a Vistaprint, thirty bucks, bunch of brochures. Okay, brochures that said we're a cleaning company, Airbnb cleaning company. And I went door knocking to all the property managers. So when you did the Airbnb, did you decide, was it like sole proprietorship? Did you do LLC? How did you, how did you choose? And then what did you end up with? So we chose LLC, but now that we've gotten to the point that um, we are trying to save on, on self-employment taxes, we moved to an S corp. Okay. Um, but we did start out as an LLC. Okay. Um, and we're still, we're still an LLC. We just choose to be taxed as an S corp. Um, and that just basically allows you to not have to play, pay yourself employment taxes um, like you do if you're an LLC. Gotcha. So once you hit a certain revenue, um, it makes sense to make that switch. Gotcha. So, um, so you you did the flyers, you pushed them out. I mean, what was your return? So you, you do 300 flyers, and then do you remember, did you get like three customer calls back? Was it more than that? Yeah. So at this time, I'm still working at the orthopedic clinic, and we're just doing this on the weekends. Yeah. This is side, like... Side hustle. Side hustle. It's a side <laughs> hustle. So I'm brochure, and I'm like calling people, and I, I get lucky, and there's a, a there's a larger property manager company, and they're like, hey, you know what? I actually just had a lead cleaning company go. You want to come talk? And I was like, absolutely. Let's, let's have a conversation. Never done this before. So I meet them like the next day, sweating bullets. I'm pretty sure I took off my job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure I called in to work the next day just so I could have this conversation. Yeah. Um, so I called in, 
work for my orthopedic job. And I was like, no, I'm not seeing patients today. I'm just going to have a conversation about cleaning condos. And uh, wouldn't have that conversation and really great. And we ended up getting the, getting this contract. And uh, this contract was for some properties in what's called 30A, um, roughly five to 10 properties. And so we started cleaning these. They were on the weekends. And we were very fortunate that once we once we got going, um, we saw we saw the potential there. And my wife and I were like, hey, this is, this is awesome. Can we keep it up? Um, luckily for us, we had started to save some money because about, we started this in August. We started that company in August of 2017. That's when we officially incorporated it. So we were cleaning before that. But once we saw some success, we officially incorporated it August 2017. Wow. Um, October, I believe it was October, right before Halloween, my orthopedic clinic lost their contract for a, two of their biggest oh. insurance contracts that paid my salary. Oh, so there was a day the I divine intervention. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was it was crazy. Yeah, and so basically, I'm sitting there and I, I thought I was good because I had actually just got a promotion like three weeks before this. Right, I got a promotion. They're like, "Hey, we want you to be leadership in the clinic. Clinic, you're going to be doing the scheduling and you're going to do the accountabilities, etc." I was like, "Cool, I'm good then." Yeah. Um. So, anyways, I'll never forget this day. I was watching people get laid off on a Friday. I was watching people get laid off on a Friday. And I had already had conversations and knew this was coming because leadership told me they were doing this. So I, again, I, I'm, I'm in the know, so I think I'm safe. Well, at the end of the day, I've been doing what's called radio frequency ablations. That's like some surgical, you know, it's low, low intervention, things that I can assist with, is, you know, that I can help out with. I'm just running the fluoroscopy machine, which is just taking x-rays. Um, so I've been doing that all day. I come out and the leadership's like, hey, Logan, can we, can we talk to you for a second? And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to have a conversation with you guys. I've seen, you <laughs> know, kind of like joking around. Right. And I see her face doesn't change. Oh, no. And I'm like, Shit. Oh, no. I'm like, this is, this is going to happen. Yep. And so I walk into one of our clinical rooms and there's like five, five people there, leadership just waiting to, to talk to me. And I was like, okay. And I was like, well, I guess this is happening. Um, so anyways, I got laid off. And <clears throat> luckily, we had saved some cash from the Airbnb cleaning business. Luckily, we had a way to at least generate some income. My wife was always also working as, as an elementary school teacher, so that helped. They, uh, I'll never forget, I told, at that point, up to that point, I had been working 60 hours a week, driving from Pensacola, Crestview, to Panama City Beach. I haven't, hadn't been able to attend my, my son's things. I, had a, he, I believe he was four at the time. He was about just started kindergarten. Mm. And I was about to really be able to attend like, class functions, sport functions, things like that. At this point, I had not been able to. I was working 60 hours a week. I mean, it was just, the schedule was too busy. Right, right. Um, essentially, I, I talked to my wife and I said, hey, look, we, why don't we try to see if we can make this work? We can have our own schedule, or at least, you know, I can have my own schedule. Her, her schedule is pretty flexible as a teacher. Right. So we can match that. Let's, you can leave kids in classrooms for yeah. hours on end. No big deal. They're usually <laughs> fine. When they, when <laughs> they're, you, they're usually... There's a percentage there they made, but you know, most when of the you time. come back, like <laughs> at least half of them are still there. You know? <laughs> yep. Um, but I said, well, why we have some money? Let's just give it a couple months and let's just see if we can make it work. So what I I am so new to this industry. I have no idea anything about Airbnb seasons and nothing. So for those of you that don't know, I'm getting into November, which is basically <laughs> the slow part of the Airbnbs. And so at least in Florida, 
At least in Florida. Maybe in the cabins, different right up north, but in Florida with the sunny side. So I would say for I'm I'm speaking specifically to cleaning. As far as like guests coming to stay, there actually are quite a few what we call snowbirds that ah. come in and stay. Uh, but that doesn't help us as a cleaning company because they you. want to stay the whole month. Oh, I you see. Because the turnaround. Exactly. Ah, yeah. Usually we're cleaning properties two to three times a week. You know, we go from that to cleaning that same property once a month or once every six weeks. Right. And so it, it's a dramatic drop to our Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that at this time. <laughs> <laughs> and so basically I told my wife, I said, hey, look, I said, why don't we just, I, I think this allows us the flexibility we're looking for. I think this allows us the things to get to that point where I can, you know, be involved, be the present dad that I want to be. And she's like, yeah, great. Let's do it. And so we get to about December and I may have picked up a client or two, but our, our cleans have just dropped. Oh no. And I'm looking around and Christmas is coming up and I'm like, well, this is, this is not going to be a great Christmas. <laughs> Cardboard boxes for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. I mean, it was, I was like, how many like paper mache like things can I make to give you this year? Um, but yeah, so I mean, it was, it was one of those Christmases. And uh, anyway, so January comes around and we're struggling a little bit. I, at one point, I actually did have to borrow some money to pay our utility bill because mm. we were at risk of getting shut down and we just didn't have the income. Wow. Um, so I told my wife, I said, hey, I said, look, we got two options. I said, I still got my degree. I can go work. I can get right back where we were, have the same schedule, and we will not have to worry about our bills. We're good. I said, but I'm going to probably be working 60 hours a week. I probably won't be at very many games. I probably won't be able to, to take off for school events. All those things. All the things that I want as a present father. All right. And I said, or I really think there's something here, but I never want you to be in a position where you feel like we're not able to, yep. to live. Ramen noodles and tuna. Ramen right. noodles and tuna. Yeah. And she says, this is, this is a powerful lesson for me, by the way. She said, can we make it one more month? Did you get, can we do it one more month? And I was like, I started looking at everything. I was like, yeah, we could do it one more month. I was like, we'll one more month. She goes, let's just keep it one more month. Give it one more month. And let's this just, is Taylor, right? This is Taylor. Your wife. My wife. She goes, let's just give it one more month and see where we're at. I was like, all right, cool. So that month, I am like going as hard as I can. I'm calling every property manager. I'm emailing. I'm knocking on doors. I'm like trying to get clients. I'm like, and, I, and I'm getting clients. And I'm not understanding why I'm not getting the cleans because mm. I didn't know the seasonality. Right, right. Didn't know the seasonality. Okay. So oh. big oversight there, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I can, I can see, the, I see how this is going. All these clients know cleaning and then season, but go, yeah, not yeah. to spo spoiler alert. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> so I am like, I am, I am like excited and discouraged at the same time. Oh wow. And I'm like, man, we got all these clients. I'm like, we got like 30 properties, but we're not seeing any cleans. Um, so at that point we start flipping. Okay. I'm going to garage sales. I'm going to garage sales and I'm finding couches. I'm like, Oh, 50 bucks. I could flip that for a hundred. And I do. And so we start flipping stuff. I'm buying lawnmower. I bought a pressure washer, bought it for five bucks, sold it for a hundred. That was big time. Yeah. Yeah. People make, there's literally like, I'm, I'm sure you've seen the YouTube videos that people do that for a living and they're like six figures and above, but just crazy i got this um, you i'm sure you've watched him and a lot of your listeners may as well but gary v is the oh, one yeah. he's the one that he was like you know garage sale hustler and i was like this is the way until we get there this is the way <laughs> one more month one right? more month one more month yeah so <clears throat> february comes and we're still struggling we're still struggling and i tell my wife i'm like hey look um same same conversation hey we're still struggling it's been a month i really think we're like really close but i just don't know that for sure 
I, I would like to give this a chance, but I'm open to going back to working a nine to five job, you know, at an orthopedic clinic or something like that. Again, with the limited availability for right. the kids and being present. She looks at me, and she goes, well, can we make it one more month? <laughs> and I looked at everything and I was like doing the math and I was like, yeah, I was like, we can do one more month. We can do one more month. And uh, so we did one more month. March comes around. And again, I don't know this, but it's, it's spring break. <laughs> so for those of you that aren't privy to the industry, that's one of the biggest months of the year. So we exploded <laughs> in March and all these little properties and all these property managers that we had been collecting, you know, that we weren't getting cleans all of a sudden we were getting those two to three cleans a week. Yep. And all of a sudden we could pay our bills again. Yep. Um, and this is still just you and Taylor at this point. This is basically chucking a truck doing the job, right? Wow. This is me and Taylor. I'm me and Taylor were doing all the cleaning. We were doing everything. It was like chucking a truck. You know, we were doing all the cleaning. Um, and then we did hire two subcontractors to clean for us at that point, like mm -hmm. when it got super busy. Right. And we were freaking out. Like we didn't know what we were doing. Like we were writing paper <laughs> checks. We were, I mean, we had zero systems, zero processes. It yeah. was, it was again, chucking a truck trying so, to figure it out. Just to have curiosity, because I know a little bit about your background is, is, was this post or pre-EMG? Like, where did EMG come this and go? This is mid-EMG. So EMG is still existing on the side. This so that's post-clinic, yep. the side hustle with a partner that you had doing the EMG work. Okay, I just didn't know where that fit in in that, that period. So. so, yeah. So, good good point. So, before this, I had a... At the same time as this, I had started an EMG company. And for those of you who don't know, it's an electromyography, um, nerve conduction studies. So people that have carpal tunnel, radiculopathy, all these nerve issues. Um, I had a whole setup. It was a mobile setup where I had a laptop, I had the machine, I had the pads, and I would go and I would do these studies for people to see if they had carpal tunnel. Um, and then it was, it was a lot of chiropractors. It was a lot of uh, orthopedic clinics that were trying to add, add on ancillary services to increase their revenue that we were performing this for. And I thought that was going to be the ticket. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's my money bag. You mm -hmm. know, that that's my money bag. Like that's where I'm going to make the money. Right. Um, it was not. <laughs> <laughs> no spoiler. It was not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we wrote, I mean, I wrote it hard, but it's a little bit of a different beast whenever you, you do have to, deal with a bunch of as many gatekeepers as you do. And yeah. to be honest, the juice just was not worth the squeeze at that point. So it almost wasn't even like being an entrepreneur because yeah. you just had all these folks. You're still, it was awful partner and more. Yeah. I had a partner. I mean, I had, uh, again, I had gatekeepers. Um, and then it was just, they would come back with you with questions before they reimburse you. And I'm like, look, oh, geez. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm sending this cause I, I can't read the study. My, my machine interpreted, it, but I had to send it to a neurologist to read it. And then they would send it back to us. Right. So I could perform it, but I couldn't like read the test. Yeah. Um, and then they have a bunch of questions. Well, like, this guy lives in like central Florida. So I got to like send it to him over email, fax it. And then anyways, it just wasn't worth it. Um, as a matter of fact, Riley, your daughter was on our baseball team mm -hmm. and EMG, it was called EMG to you is the sponsor yep. of that team. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, I remember. So that was one of our marketing employees that we thought was <laughs> just going to open the floodgates for us. <laughs> there was a dam there and it, and it held the, uh, it was made by many beavers. It was, was made by so many beavers, so many gatekeeping beavers. Um, but I, I did, I, even at this point, I still thought that was going to be the ticket. So I, I probably for about a year. I mean, we started it. So August 2017 is when we started the Airbnb cleaning company called the Dream Clean Team. And then 
about a month after that, whenever I had started the EMG company. Right. Because I had actually approached the orthopedic clinic that I was working for before I got laid off yeah. about them using me because it was their equipment at the time. Yeah. I said, can I use your equipment and go over to these guys and do their tests? And, and like, I just like give you a rental fee or like sure. you charge them and you just pay me the lion's share of it, whatever. And right. I do it all. And they're like, no. So whenever I got done, I had partnered with a, a physician assistant, a PA, and he, he's a heavy investor. Like he's very good at um, investments and opening up orthopedic clinics, urgent care. And we thought we were going to be able to get into that network and, you know, utilize those guys. So he actually purchased the equipment and he purchased all that. And, and uh, again, it failed. So. Yep. That's one of those situations where you can kind of talk about risk there as far as the risk word. Well, it's just interesting because I think it's important for people to understand that where you think there might be a very linear block, like if you picture a couple of blocks, right? Well, you have these blocks and they cut, they, they start and then they stop, but there's also blocks below that are intersecting at some point. So in other words, you have this long block. That's the, the actual cleaning business that started and continuing to go in a linear fashion, right? vertical fashion. Well, there's many smaller blocks underneath. One of those being the EMG that was not necessarily at the same at the beginning of the block there, started a point, went to a certain point and then just stopped. But then you continue to have that top cleaning linear bar that you know has worked and continue to grow. So that's that's why I brought it up to, to show that sometimes it's Sometimes there's a side hustle to the side hustle that may may or may not work out for you. 100%, 100%. And I will say, you know, <clears throat> Bef one of the big lessons I learned is focus on one thing. And once you have that one thing really dialed in, that's whenever you can try to move on to a different service. But trying to build two companies from the ground up is really challenging at the same time. Yeah. That's you know, like that guy. What was the guy I sent you the, do you remember his name? The YouTube video? Hermosi. It's the guy with the long hair, big thighs, like super much. Yeah, Alex Rosie. Like, that dude hikes a lot or something. Very <laughs> impressive dude, man, to be up there with those Donkey shorts Donkey squats, on. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, right. and he was like, hey, look at all these people that are the top five. And it's like stuff that one you wouldn't expect, like roofing and other things like that. But it was singular focused, and that's what he was talking about. I thought that was so interesting because of all your lessons learned in different serial entrepreneurial things. But that's that's a great lesson is, hey, find what works perfect before you try it to move on. So great point there. 100%. Never take away... Never take away from something that's working or that you have a minimum just to take a risk on something else. Because if you're not, unless that thing is set up to succeed by itself, you know, and, and we're fortunate that we are to a point that, you know, we feel that's the case with the cleaning company, which is what's allowed us to open up our other two companies. All right. Um, but at the same time, you know, until it gets to that point, you really just got to focus on that one thing. I mean, that's, that's a lesson learned the hard way there. Sure. So, so you left off on that. Sorry for the deviation, but I really thought that was important uh, to bring up. So right now you hired two subcontractors, you're freaking out, had to write paper checks going into the spring break and or past that. So take us along on that journey there. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we kind of did a lot of shuffling at first cause we had like a bunch of properties and we didn't have a bunch of properties. Cause again, we were collecting properties and we didn't know the season was going to hit. So when the season hit, we couldn't fulfill the work because it was, we were having like 10 or 15 cleans a day and it was like three of us, you know, we, we couldn't do that. Right. So we ended up having to drop some contracts and we got very fortunate that we, one of the contracts we did keep is, is a customer that's still with us today, our biggest customer um, that has offered us the grace to kind of work through some of these challenges and, and continue to grow with us. Um, but basically that customer, we, we started out and we had a meeting and they were like, Hey, we want to give you eight properties. I was like, give me four. 
<laughs> I was like, I don't want eight. <laughs> Give me four. And so they gave us four. And then the summer was going on and they kept running into issues and like, hey, look, we're running into all these issues. Can you please come back? And if you want these properties, these new properties that are having issues that I want you to take care of, you can have them moving forward. Just take care of it tonight. We could talk about that later. Sure. So we would take care of that property and like, yeah, we're ready now. And we would slowly add on a person to help us out. Because you were perfecting the four. So rather than stretching yourself thin and being one of those companies that had the issues, you're like high quality, small amount. 100%. knowing that you couldn't stretch yourself then hundred percent and building and, that reputation. Well, and part of the problem too, is I was very naive when it came to hiring. So when I was hiring, I was very, very naive. And so I would put an ad on Indeed, Okay. And I'd have a bunch of people that would apply and I'd have a list of people and I'd call those guys and I'd say, Hey, this is what we're doing. We got cleans tomorrow. You want to come? They're like, yeah, I'll be there. And I'm like, sweet. I put the phone down. I'm like, we're set, babe. High five. We're good tomorrow. Tomorrow comes around and they don't know what to be found. <laughs> <laughs> and you're calling them and you're texting them and like, this number worked yesterday. This is weird. Um, hashtag ghosted. <laughs> yeah, hashtag ghosted. So we were incredibly naive. And I'll never forget, I had a list. I mean, I had called people and we tried everything at first. It was like, well, maybe they don't want a man talking to them. So I had my wife call them. I was like, maybe they want a female talking to them. Maybe they're more trusting. Right. But if you go back and look at it, we were operating out of a storage unit. It's kind of sketchy. And so... People would get a call randomly on a Friday, and they and it was us, and we're like, "Hey, we, we got some uh, Airbnbs." <laughs> yeah, 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 you're not gonna be bothered. Once I give you the code, you're in there by yourself. Don't worry, okay? But before you get there, you got to go by this storage unit. There might be somebody there. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> so they would pick up. They would have to go to the storage unit, and they'd have to pick up all their linens and towels and all their supplies they needed for the cleans. And then they would go out and they'd clean the property and they would come back and drop off the storage unit. But if you didn't know us, that's yeah. a lot of trust. That's a very 60 minutes episode. It's a very how people go missing, you know, hundred <laughs> percent. And looking back, I'm like, that may have contributed to it. <laughs> Huge data point there. Huge data point. Um, so anyways, we, you know, we ended up slowly growing the team and uh, very fortunate. We've actually still got a couple of people that we that acquired that summer that are still on the team. Just a couple, not many. Um, that, so that 18 at that point, 2018? That was yep, summer of 2018 at that point. And uh, so I think we ended that summer roughly with, I want to say, like 20 properties maybe. Wow. I want to say 20 properties. Right but, now. but like going from... Taylor's cleaning a couple, right? Your wife cleaning a couple, two mm -hmm. or three, whatever. Cold calling, mm. hard hustle marketing to 20 properties, sustaining. Yeah. That's. We went that's, to Disney World that summer. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going to next now that you've won I'm, one life? I'm dead serious. Yeah. Like, so this one client we had uh, that we had most of these properties with, again, we had, he was pretty much our, our client and we had like just a couple like super small accounts besides him. All of his cleans were on a Saturday. So Saturday, we would just go hard. Mm -hmm. Like we would go hard. Sunday, we would take care of all the screw-ups that we had from Saturday. Mm -hmm. After that, it was recovery mode until that next Saturday. Um, so one of those recovery modes went to Disney World because we could afford it. So, you know, it's interesting. And one of the things that I've learned now also from our experience, and I could imagine doing it every day, is uh, in Florida to pack people in and just the way they configure certain condos is they have bunk beds mm. and the bunk beds are not easy to change those sheets over and over and over again, especially like depending on if they're built in or I know this is a small nuance, but from your recovery, I can only imagine you, you and your wife Taylor like hustling 
and doing, I mean, so you're cleaning the floors, you're cleaning, I mean, everything. And then those pain in the butt bunk beds that you're yeah. reaching your hand in and it's like pulling the mattress up to get those corners. Just some of those smaller things, man. I just can't even, I, so I can only, the recovery was probably like ice baths, some adult beverages. So and, just to be clear, I did not do a lot of bunk beds. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, not, not for lack of trying. But <laughs> the, you've got about a, a foot and a half clearance from the from the top bunk to the ceiling. Um, so it was it was so, not. And remind so people don't know because they haven't seen how how tall are you, Logan? I'm six six. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you just reach your hand over. You yeah, know I mean? yeah. <laughs> I wish it was that easy. That was a, yeah. And the best part is some of these were custom bunk beds, so they had about half an inch space between the mattress and the uh, the wall there. I mean, it was like you couldn't even fit your hands in there. Um, you couldn't fit. Your yeah, hands. I couldn't fit. My hands <laughs> in but actually, we actually teach our team now because now, so just you know, we'll come back to this. But now we have developed a seven-step process that's more of a productized service rather than a true service that you don't know who's going to show up and what product you're going to get that day. So we have a seven-step process, and part of that process is for the bunk beds because we know there's such a challenge. We actually remove them now. We will straight up pull them off the whole the whole top bunk, and then we would change the sheets, and then we'll put them we'll put them back up there. I mean, whatever works. Yeah. Yeah. I, can't imagine, I mean, if you've already tested that out, I'm sure there's a huge reduction in time just to do something like yeah, that. Yeah, we actually got a pretty scary work comp injury one time from bunks. We had a lady. Really? Yeah, she uh, she was climbing the bunk beds mm -hmm. and she changed them out and she was coming down and slipped off oh, of the ladder, no. fell and bumped her head on the, the tile. Wow. And um, anyways, it was pretty serious. She had to go down wow. to Shans and um, anyways, it was, it was pretty, you know, it was a pretty big burden for us as well. And of course... Yep you know she made a good recovery and we're we're happy and that was our main concern yeah um but at the same time it made Bunk, us change bunks things. bunks beds are evil bro Bunk beds are evil you have to have a process we're gonna probably boycott them in 2024 <laughs> <So>. <laughs> i can't wait to see those signs for oh yeah. yeah 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 we're gonna post them on the doors outside mm -hmm. hoas are gonna get them all that that's crazy so You've hired some folks now. Um, so tell us how you got past the sketchy uh, being in a shed standpoint. How did you how did you get over that? So that took us quite a while. And we didn't figure that out to the following year. Um, but just, you know, kind of fast forwarding, we we kind of started to figure out a little bit of the seasonality. So we got through our first season, got through our first season and started to figure out some of the seasonality. Um, and we were in a better place where I was like, hey, we need this. So just so you know. The biggest cat the biggest killer to small businesses every single year. It's cash flow. It's cash flow. So, you know, you if you don't have predictable income or you don't know how to predict your income, you don't know, you just spend everything you get all the time. Right. And I was 100% guilty of that, mm. you know. Um, and that's kind of where our focus is now because cash flow is the biggest killer of small businesses. Not being able to manage that. And luckily, after our first season, I was like, all right, we got to figure out how much money we need for the off season. <laughs> I can't, you know, I can't be flipping couches right. every winter. Yeah. Um, so anyways, we did. And luckily we got through that. So coming so from the budgeting standpoint, just as a tool, I'm curious, are you I'm Microsoft Excel? Did you yeah. buy, did you buy, are you testing software at this point with different kind of financial budgeting stuff? Or is this just Excel at, the, at this? So right now, the way I do it is different than back then. Right. That's what I was asking. Yeah. yeah. So, so back then I literally, all I did is I just wrote down every expense that we have this recurring. So is that like my wrote down software or wrote down on paper, wrote down on paper. Okay. I just wrote it down on paper. Here's how much on average I pay for power. Here's how much on average I pay for water. Here's, here's my rent. Here's my mortgage, whatever that is. I, I write it all down mm -hmm. and I say for me personally, and for our industry, it was 
uh, December, January, February are our three slowest months. So how much do we need to support ourselves? Yeah, survival yeah. mode. Mm-hmm. And so that was that was like, and I look back and I'm like, man, that was so simplistic. But we got the job done, um, but it was very simplistic. One more month. One more month. You should yeah. have that like as a, anyways. I know, t-shirt. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it'd be a cool motto. Dream team. I think about it quite often. But One more month. Yeah. I like it. Sorry, go ahead. And uh, so anyway, so we end up, we're fortunate we get to that. It, again, it was a little bit tighter than we expected. Um, we did grow and 2019 Honestly, 2019 was a little bit of a repeat of 2018. Um, we were just bigger. And so I think we had roughly got around 50 to 60 properties at that point, but we were still kind of doing the same thing. Hadn't really figured a ton out. And the reason for that is our head was down. We were in the weeds and we were still doing the work. Mm. Um, so same, we had, that, I would say 2019 is about the same. Um, nothing really changes there. 2020 is when things got super interesting for us. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously we had COVID. Mm, we did have COVID. We had COVID. And tons of service-based businesses were shutting down, uh, being shut down because they were considered non-essential. So just just for purposes here, because um, <clears throat> there sounds like there's about a year and a half, two years of transitioning from hiring those first two subcontractors to building up, you know, a little bit as far as like your your cleaning crew, right? Uh, and and the difference in the the respective seasoning. But did you, these are hired to the, at the time, LLC, are they 1099? What, how did you approach hire like those folks? Not, not, we'll get into more specific hiring, but just from this period of time before you get to the, the COVID side, because that's a big difference. If you're, if they're part of the company or 1099 during this, this huge, um, change that's in industry a, that's a great question um they're all 1099 so they are subcontractors and you know pretty much all of our staff right now that clean are still 1099 subcontractors um just because we it was a that relationship was hey we have this available can you take it yes no why they provide their own cleaning supplies they make their own schedules so it was that type of relationship it eased our burden and it also eased their burden um, but the problem is if you don't have the consistency uh-huh. to be able to keep them with steady work, then they go out and find another contract or they, they have multiple contracts and prioritize the other ones. Right. Um, we were just learning all that in 2019 because gotcha. that's, that's when we started getting six, seven, eight people. We, at that point we did 2019, we did start having inspectors. So me and Taylor, my wife and I, we were primarily inspectors at that point. We weren't doing as many cleans. Um, but we were still in the field a lot. We were in the trenches a lot, but right. in a different capacity. Right. And so we would do the training or we would do make sure they had all their accounts and things set up. Um, we were doing the inspections of the properties and then we were getting other inspectors where they could help us inspect properties. Um, that was really 2019. So, but it was very similar. Um, we just had that little bit of growth there as far as the additional properties and a few people that... Um, took on responsibilities, inspecting and things like so that. So those between the first two subcontractors that you had and then hiring those six and seven inspecting, did you see a, a high um, attrition rate or, or in other words, did, did those same two that started with you, did they end up after that next two to three year period? Are these completely new people? These are primarily new people. So <clears throat> the two that started with us would be like the, the winner of 2017. Um, and the people that are still with us are, are uh, like winter transitioning into spring of 2018 okay so those guys are still with us and they're and they're transitioning into inspectors they're transitioning into uh some of our our more leadership roles at that point we didn't realize that's what it was but that's what it was which i definitely want to get into later talking about how you've evolved from just 
you know, a um, traditional 1099 to actual like individual develop growth in your business and how important that is. And we'll definitely touch on that later. Again, I was just curious from going to freak out mode, paper checks to now, like you have this period between now and then now we're going to talk about COVID, but like how many stayed with you? So the repeat, but you know, so we're getting over the sketchy shed if, if you will at this point, hopefully, but mm-hmm. yeah, dive into COVID. Very interested about that. Yeah. So COVID hit. And at this point, you know, we had a couple systems in place. So we had a check, we had a cleaning checklist, which is great. Um, we had an inspection checklist, which is great. So we knew how to clean the property and then we knew how to come in and make sure that property was clean to our standard. How did you get these checklists to the employees? At that point it was paper. Okay. And, uh, we, we would print it out. We'd hand it to them. Okay. And then we did at the end of 2019, we, we actually got into a CRM, um, which is where we started relation management tool. Yep. Customer relationship management. Um, and basically we were able to assign, they downloaded an app and then, you know, we used that to start scheduling them so they could see how much pay they had, their door code, all that kind of stuff. So that was a big step for us and moving into 2020. But once we transitioned into 2020, we had grown to a point that, you know, we were still in the field quite often. And basically I was extremely burnt out. I was very burnt out and I was, I was literally to the point that I was like, I'm done with this. I'll go back and do anything else. I'm not, it's too much stress with all the customers, with the cleaning pros calling out, um, with the, our staff calling out. Um, what's your hours per week? So you said, Hey, I'm doing 60. I want to be a more present father. Entrepreneurship, as we all know, is almost never ending. It's 24 seven. But like, what would you say is your average hours at that period of time? More than 60. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) I slept three hours a day. That's it. Okay. Gotcha. The only difference is I got to choose when those 60 happened. Gotcha. Um, which played a big deal, right? A big role for us. Um, so anyways, so 2020 comes up before COVID hits and I am questioning this and I'm like, Hey, look, I don't know if it's worth it. I think I'm just going to step out and we're going to move on. And I just mentally can't, I don't have the capacity. Mm -hmm. So COVID hit and we were shut down for eight weeks. Oh yeah. And so I took that time and this was a huge, huge piece for us. I took that time and I said, what are our major problems? And it was handling customers' complaints. It was hiring people. It was getting the information to the, to the team. Okay. Those are the, the three biggest things. And I found this tool and uh, it's called Zapier and Z-A-P-I-E-R. And what it does is it allows different tools to talk to each other. So you can kind of connect any software to another software. I mean, it's, it's crazy what you can do. So what I did is I was like, hey, I'm going to automate the crap out of everything I can for the next eight weeks. And I did. So that was the beginning of my hiring where I said, okay, you know what? When somebody applies, I'm not just going to call them and, and take their word for it. I'm going to make them fill out a, another form. So they apply, then they get texted a form automatically. Oh, wow. And that form is going to just be some basic questions. I don't even care about the, the answers. I care if you did the form. Right. So it's a weed out step, right? Yep, yep. So they, they fill out the form. As soon as they fill out the form, I say, hey, I want to have an interview with you. No, this is during COVID. This is so. This is this is the, what I'm developing. Oh, I see. During Sorry. COVID. Sorry. Okay, I got it. This is what I'm developing during COVID. So I'm trying to take care of my hiring process. So I'm like, hey, when I open it up, this is what it's going to look like when I open open it back up after COVID. I see. Um, and so basically, whenever they fill out that form, they get a text saying, "Hey, I want to have an interview," and then they have to click on a link and and say when they're available. Okay. Um, so it took. I thought I took care of that piece at first during you know, COVID automations. Mm -hmm. So then the hiring piece or the uh, customer service piece, I was like, all right, I've got to figure something out. And so I figured out a way to have 
multiple communications come into one inbox. Because before this, I was getting text messages, phone calls, and emails, and Facebook messages. You know, you were just getting it from everywhere. Right. So I found I found a tool uh, before before I found figured out there was actual software that does this for you easily. I had built these automations where it all came into one place, and I was able to see it in one place, and I turned it off because I was getting calls at midnight, one o'clock. Oh yeah. I mean, it was just it was not it was not manageable. Was right. Not. And so I found a way to turn it off at five o'clock every day. And when I came, when I woke up, I had one place to look for all my customer communication. communication. Fantastic. So saw that. Um, and what was the third thing I said? Oh, <laughs> not fair. Not fair. <laughs> so customer communication. Oh, and then uh, getting getting the information to our, our staff there, like for the checklist, things like that. So we figured out in the CRM that there's ability to add a checklist there. And so, or a link, uh, you, you, there's notes. And so at that point we had the, we had a link to a Google doc that we copied and pasted. They could click on it and go to it. Um, so when COVID opened back up in about eight weeks, we got to test all these things at once Wow! and we troubleshooted it and some of it was not great. Okay. But I will say that's whenever I started realizing like, Oh, this actually did save me a couple hours this week mm. or this did take this burden off my right. brain a little bit. Yeah. And so that's when I started having the mindset of like, okay, I think this could work. We got to dial X, Y, you know, these three things in. So would you say, I mean, as a pro and a con, con finance is not coming in pro alleviation at your breaking point to able to refocus or, and re like look at things and, and different tools and methods to alleviate some of that time frame to give it back to you. Yeah. So I, I would not want to have a repeat event of like COVID, right. uh, but at the same time, it was pretty instrumental in allowing us time where, we could work on the business and not in the business. Right. Because up to that point, the only thing I had done was work in the business. Right. Well, I think that's that's important overall, right? So some people, whether that's a week or two vacation where you can just, because I think there's some kind of study out there, if I'm not mistaken, or multiple studies that sometimes you get some of your clearest thinking when you're not thinking. 100%. Like when you allow that free space to happen and that's why people meditate and so on is because it allows that that space to get clear and then you can come up with a, your most creative and free thinking idea. So that was a forced upon you. <laughs> it was forced upon you at that point, right? I mean, at some at some level, if you will. Yeah, I think you nailed it as far as having that time, and that's why a lot of times people have their best ideas when they're taking a shower. Yep. You know, because you have that, you just go through the rhythm, you go through the routine, routine, and it just pops out. You know. Yep. Um. So you nailed it there, and so that that was pretty huge for us. Um. When we came out, it was basically a bunch of testing. We're trying to figure out, hey, does this system work? How can we improve it, et cetera, et cetera. So 2020, that's the whole shebang for us was we have some core systems and how do we improve it? So we got to that point where I was pretty dialed in and had taken some burden off, which was great. Um, but the fact is I was still having to do a lot of back office work. So I was having to send payrolls, having to do the hiring and the interviews. I was having to do the invoicing, all these things that I couldn't do. I couldn't afford an office manager. We, the cleaning industry just does not have those kind of margins. Okay? <laughs> right, right. And especially starting out. Now, when you get to a certain point, you can afford those things. I could not afford it in 2020. But I had just got done reading a great book. It was by Tim Ferriss called The 4-Hour Workweek. Love it. And he's talking about all these different tools and how to design your life and how to be lean, all these kind of different different techniques and strategies. And one thing that really stood out to me was virtual assistants, especially remote virtual assistants mm -hmm. that are not US-based. And I started reading that and I was like, I can't afford you know, the salary of a US-based office manager, but I can't afford the help of one or two VAs. 
And so that's whenever I basically figured, you know, out how to put job boards, um, job openings on job boards based out of the Philippines. Because the Philippines, in my experience, is the best as far as having like an English speaking, English understanding that can still mm. communicate to your customers without fear of there being too much of a language barrier. Right. Um, you still got to vet them. I mean, there are there are instances where it's not going to work. Right. You still, you still have to vet them. So what's that process? Hire my first remote VA, and it was for hiring. I just need her to help me hiring. I need sure. her to help me set up the accounts. Make sure they so, and is, is this something where you would teach her the thing that you just talked about the process as far as like filling out the forms and so on? She, she would grab it at some point there and is that what she would be running? So you would time? think so. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the reality is I just ended up continuing doing the work <laughs> and I never spent the time showing her how to do it. Lesson learned on delegating and teaching. But go ahead. I'm sorry. So that relationship didn't work very long. <laughs> <laughs> My first VA was a terrible tragedy. Um, but fortunately, I did learn. And so I looked at it and I said, why wasn't she doing the thing that I hired her to do? And I said, well, you basically had one meeting with her and said, okay, here it is. Do it. And you left her. You know? And I'm like, well, that's, that's not very great leadership. <laughs> I taught you how to fish, get all the fish you can. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I took you one day. I took you to the best fishing spot with all the best fishing rods. You caught everything. Like, why can't you do it on your own? Um, <clears throat> oh, that's great. So anyways, so that was kind of 2020. I mean, we it was a breakthrough as far as understanding that we need to have systems and processes. Okay. We need to automate a lot of those. We need to keep the budget low because... The Airbnb cleaning industry is not a high net profit industry. What's, sorry, just real quick, because I, I forgot to ask this earlier, because I thought it was funny. What's the delta between, just out of curiosity, when you when you actually made the decision, a delta between an office type manager and a virtual assistant overseas? Significant? It's significant. Like 200%? Less than 200%. Um, the, it, it's about, it's about 80%. The salary of a remote VA compared to a US based would be at least 80% higher for US based. Wow. So it's significant. That's interesting. Well, there's all the things, right? When you when you look at business, there's some instances where outsourcing makes sense, you know, mm -hmm. whether that's manufacturing, whether that's some kind of service or whatever. So I was just curious about that margin. That's that's a giant margin. That's not a like small margin. It's a huge at. margin. That's it's huge. the only reason we could do it. And so my yeah. thought process is hey, I'm not gonna hire a remote office manager i'm right. just gonna peel apart the office manager roles sure and i'm gonna hire for the specific positions as i scale yeah wow great yeah and so i started with the hiring piece and i and you know again i, I figured out that hey you have processes but you don't really know how to document them you don't know how to teach them you don't know how to present them you don't know how to hold people accountable to them so i believe it was 2021 i believe um is either end of 2020 or beginning of 2021 i said I need help. <laughs> help me. And I got into my first business coaching. And um, that was the first year that I, I did business coaching. I believe it was, let's see, 2019. I believe it was 2021. The spring of 2021 is when I, when I started the business coaching. <clears throat> yep. Um, and basically, I, was, I, I remember thinking in my head, I was like, all I thought in my head was, I just need SOPs. That was all that I thought in my head. Standard operating procedures? Standard operating procedures. Okay. I just need SOPs. Okay. And so I get into coaching. And I was like, hey, where are the SOPs? You know, like, what am I, what am I doing here? And uh, 
They're like, okay, yeah, that's great. But uh, let's talk about your budget first. And I'm like, huh? What are you talking about? And like, do you have a budget? And I'm like, I mean, I, get, <laughs> I know how much comes in and I know how much goes out. Yeah. And they're like, well, that's a good start. But like, do you know how much goes out for each category? And they had this whole spreadsheet. It's like all these different categories. And I'm like, I didn't even know that was a category. I didn't know that was a thing. And uh, I mean, it was way more sophisticated than what I had. And so before we could even get into like what I thought was the most important thing, they're like, let's get into your budget. And so we, it took probably two months to dial in that budget wow. and understand what we're netting, what's going out the door, how to save costs. And so what drove, what drove you into that? I, I mean, you said, Hey, I need help. Was it because did you hit like a plateau as far as, you know, the revenue or did you hit like, because we talked about the, the mental sort of break and then breakthrough, if you will. Right. Uh, you had that period of time. So, so what drove you to finally, uh, you know, in this instance, pulling the trigger to do that, to actually get the coaching? That's a great question. Uh, I think you made a good analogy earlier where you talked about there's different blocks. You know, you have different businesses, you have different blocks, and each block goes a different length depending on the success or health of that business. For example, my EMG had a short block, like maybe two blocks, right? The Airbnb cleaning, the dream clean team has more blocks is continuing on. Mm -hmm. um, and what I will say is there every now and then along that linear line, you have a couple steps up on those blocks. Okay. And so what I mean by that is you get, you get to kind of what looks like a wall, right? You get to what looks like a wall. And when you get to that wall, you're like, Hey, well, here's my new home. I'm just going to hang out here. Or you look up and you're like, Oh, I can actually climb this wall. I could take the step up. And the first one was, um, you know, hiring people, you know, I would say is just making that mental choice to hire people. The second one would be, um, you know, identifying that we need to have processes right in order to grow. And all these things are growth steps these are organic steps. it sounds like too yeah and it's steps towards growth mm -hmm. and so i know that if i stay where i'm at i've reached my ceiling so if i want to get to that next level we've got to look up and take that step mm -hmm. and so at this point you know we had just understood that we need processes we have those processes we sort of documented them didn't really know how to document them didn't know how to delegate them didn't know how to hold people accountable mm -hmm. i read it i mean i during this period just so you know during this period i read a book a week. So from since we started the company in 2017 up until probably the end of last 2022, I read a book a week. Okay. Just trying to figure out how to get the edge, trying to figure out how to do this. Um, and I just couldn't figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> At least not this very specific right. challenge that we were having. Hence the reason someday you will write a book, right, Logan? That's right. That's right. And so basically that's when I said, okay, I need to look up some somebody that knows how to do this. And I was very fortunate. I remember it was a very significant investment for me at that time. Like it was it was not easy to come out of pocket every every month for this mm -hmm. for this program. I was very fortunate. Um I met my coach Ashley coach Ashley um with uh Breakthrough Academy is the name of the, the company. And they're home service based or they uh they're trades based coaching and uh I'm still with Coach Ashley today. We still have our meetings. And she's been great. But basically, she's the one that was like, hey, budget. Okay, got it out in. Then we can kind of talk about everything else. And they have a whole program, three-year program, you know, to kind of make sure you have all your building blocks uh, for, the, for the business. And so once I... It took a while to digest everything that they had. Oh, you know, yeah. And I'm still digesting. I'm still not done. Sure. Um, but taking that and i'm like oh that's the, that's what a sop should look like oh that's how you hold somebody accountable well that makes a lot of sense you know like it, right. it just it started clicking 
And so basically, as fast as we could, we were implementing everything. <laughs> everything. I mean, and I am a big proponent in done is better than perfect. Mm-hmm. I am a huge believer in that. Because if you want things to be perfection, you will never do anything. I'm Paraly- just, paralysis by analysis. Paralysis right? by analysis. Yep. So it doesn't mean that we put out a crappy product. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, like, if you have a process, you have a system, like, do it and then refine it. Right. But keep doing it and keep refining it. Sure. Um, and so that's what we did. 2021, we built as many processes as possible. And really, <clears throat> 2021, that's when we made a big leap. Because at that point, we had a small office in Fort Walton Beach. And we were running some machines there. And uh, we just... What, what machines were you running? They were just washers and dryers. Because we were we used to outsource the laundry. Okay. So like a wash full dry service. We could not do that anymore. So we built our own facility. But... We had residential machines in there. Okay. We have four washers, four dryers. And we put them in there, but we they were taking so long. They weren't coming out as clean as we wanted them to, to come out. And it was just taking forever. And so finally we're like, okay, we've got some systems, we got some processes. The next step is we got to take a pretty big financial risk. And what we did is we looked at a property that had the utilities. And so for those of you who don't know, um, commercial equipment, certain types of commercial equipment, you need, you have to have gas, you have to have triple phase power, you have to have certain types of utilities. All right. Okay. Um, so we found a property that has those utilities. We got with the county, had no idea what we're doing, by the way, got with the county. Okay. And luckily the building that we were looking at building this new facility that we could have move in this commercial equipment to get the work done it was in like a, a zone that they wanted to add gas to. Oh. So it was a $22,000 project that ended up costing us like two grand because they were like, hey, look, we think over the lifetime of us running gas to this building, your other tenants that are in this building are going to use our gas and it's going to be worth it to us. Wow. So it only cost us two grand instead of like 22. Wow. Yeah. Huge. Huge. And then, um, so anyways, then we had to buy, we ended up buying a bunch of commercial washers, commercial dryers. I worked out a deal with one of our existing clients at that time. And he wanted, he wanted to grow with us. Cause he was, when we first met him, he only had like 30 properties. Now he's got like 150. Nice. And we, we got like almost half of those, you know? Yep. So, I mean, we, my point is we're, we've grown together. Right. It's been a very mutual beneficial relationship. And part of that, <clears throat> part of that is when we were in this facility, we partnered together where it enabled us to purchase some of this equipment. And uh, so we did it, you know, took that risk. Um, they took that risk and it ended up working out and we were able to move into that facility and scale. But it's a scary time because there's a lot of unknowns. You, you're one year post COVID. You don't really know if the, because I mean, short-term rentals are really a luxury, right? It's not a necessity. Right. So you don't know if it's going to go down or not. Um, took the risk, moved in and set us up to scale. And so we've been growing about 40 to 50% each year. And now we're at a point now where we do have, you know, we roughly, depending on peak season, we've got around 250 properties right now. Mm-hmm. So that's far cry from where we started. Seven or was it two and seven? Then yeah, boom. Is it was it's <clears throat> kind of in the beginning, it kind of fluctuated because you thought you had some and then you didn't. And then, they, <laughs> you know, you just never really knew. All right. But, um, so roughly around 250 and then we've got peak season anywhere between 50 to 80 cleaning pros that clean properties for us. Wait, say that again? We've 50 to 80? 50 to 80 depending on wow. the seasonality. 
it's kind of weird because as we mentioned, Airbnbs, they they are cleaned like one day a week on a Saturday, and they're like a lot of times, and they're all on the same day. Oh wow! So that's what makes that's why you have to have so many people. Yeah, I got you. That's why it's really hard. Um, but so uh, we've got about ten to twelve laundry facility staff that work for us either part-time or full-time. Those are employees. And they're, they're not doing cleaning. They're just doing the laundry. For the most part. Now, okay. we do have some that will clean every now and then, or they'll, they'll kind of split it. But for the most part, those guys are facility staff, um, and they may clean like one one day a week or something, like on our busy Saturdays. And and these folks are also 1099. These are actually W-2s. Oh, these are W-2s. Because this is more of an employer-employee relationship. Okay. Um. So our facility staff is a W-2. Okay. And then we have three customer service reps that are remote based. We have a remote VAs we talked about. We have one scheduler. We have uh, an office lead. Those are so basically five people that are remote based that are working. They're doing a phenomenal job. Like could not be happier Mm -hmm. with their performance. Um, We have an office manager. So, you know, our team has grown quite significantly. We have three field leads and our field leads are basically guys that are just helping manage the day. They're not necessarily inspecting. They're just making sure things are on time. So let's, I want to, I want to, I want to put a pin on that because I want to talk about your structure and how you've gotten to where you were to how you're at now. So you, and one of the things that I've heard you say over and over again, whether it was positive or negative or whatever, but was partnership, right? And how important that is, whether that's a partnership with a coach to help, whether that's a partnership from an investment standpoint to help, so I think that's very interesting that you've you've said that a couple of times and how like the partnership with the EMG just just unfortunately with that particular thing didn't work out, but not because partner or not partner, but then also the partnership, you know, going forward with the uh, laundry and dryer residential side. Um, so again, I, I think that's an interesting, some people are very much like stiff arm that, right? Like I don't want to partner, I'm going to do this on my own, but you seeing that and working with that and establishing those relationships. And I think there is probably like a small niche of lessons learned on what to expect from a partner, what not to certain uh, contractual things, such as whether that's an SLA or whatever else, a service level agreement or whatever it could be called um, at this point. So I think that's interesting. So, okay. So you had a partner that helped with the getting the residential uh, washer and dryers in, right? So the gas costs, boom, this new facility laundry, uh, you have these folks that are W2s now did so are you saying from that time of partnership and and doing that you are you have seen a return on investment on that or has that been like just sort of status quo and so because you said you're growing with properties my assumption is and this is why i want clarification my assumption is that the laundry has continued to grow with those growth of the properties yeah great question um so we were just to clarify we were having residential equipment in the previous office location but we needed commercial equipment right and that oh, i said it backwards i'm sorry about that yeah i said can. it backwards and yep. then and then the uh the partnership was just uh, the ability to allow us to afford right that equipment right um and i would say anytime you get into a partnership i am not a fan of a partnership that there's not an endpoint. you have to have a clear endpoint, and so our partnership where you know it was a uh, an investment of equipment and then to, to be, um, either paid off or to end on this day right. after X, X payments, X, you know, dollar amount met. Sure. Um, so having that clear endpoint, it allows you where you're like, Hey, look, it may kind of suck at first a little bit. Um, but it's, it's something that's necessary to get me to, uh, you know, when I read that wall yep. and I look up to get me to that point, 
that I can get over that wall. Gotcha. And that's what that was. It was either, hey, we're going to stay where we're at and it's not super great right now, or we can have this partnership and we have a clear timeline when that's going to end. And then after that is when we're going to be able to truly scale and, and you know, be where we want to be. Right. And we've, you know, we are, that partnership, as far as from a financial standpoint, has has been firmed up and like we're we're free of that. Dissolved. Dissolved. And so now we're able to enjoy, you know, the growth that's came over the past couple of years. And like you said, we have grown properties and that does increase our laundry, our laundry uh, output. Right. So now we're actually looking at purchasing our own property um, to add more equipment to. So you've, so you've gone from just to, to follow that, that particular time, uh, timeline or chronological order is you at first outsource laundry. You found out, Hey, it's uh, more beneficial, better return on investment to purchase our own. Went with the residential yep. <laughs> residential got to a point where, okay, I've, I've hit capacity. I can no longer do that to meet that and, or the growth that we see in forecast you partner financially, get the resi- commercial, huh? got this commercial equipment, um, was able to pay that back. And now that's helping at this time sustain. And what you've just said is now I've hit capacity of that, the commercial. You nailed it. That's exactly right. Wow. So now we're looking at, we're, we're at another wall. You know, what, what are we going to do? Yep. Do we want to go ahead and purchase that new property where we can have larger equipment? folding machines, presses, all that kind of stuff. Did you just have curiosity? Is it only internal? Are you only utilizing the laundry services internal? If not, do you have external customers just using your laundry service? And if not, do you plan that in the future? So right now it's just internal customers. The only customer that is not internal is actually a cleaning company that works for the client that I just mentioned that we yes. partner with. And we're almost doing that as a favor. Now we're charging this customer, but we're not really accepting anyone outside of our customers, Got it. Um, except for that person. And, and again, really just to, to, you know, acknowledge that relationship and appreciate that relationship. Gotcha. Um, but we're not necessarily planning on opening it up right now. Okay. But I mean, there's potential in the future, but that's not really, that's not part of the five-year plan. But it's just interesting because that's like, like that's literally could be its whole business on it its own. Like people do that, hundred percent, right? So that's super interesting. There's okay. so many shiny things we can chase. <laughs> <laughs> if you are watching People Add Value Experience on YouTube, click the link on the screen for part two. If you're listening to this on a podcast medium, please find part two in the episode list.